0: This is Parsha Panorama, and this week's Parshaos are Parshas Tazria and Mitzorah, a double Parsha. And these two Parshaos are often connected, even when they're not read together, and that is because both Parshaos deal a lot with the topic of tsaraas, the spiritual leprosy, the skin malady, um, which is associated with various Averos, most infamously Lashonhara, Um which is not something we're going to be speaking about today, because when we look at the text of the Chumash, we don't find so much about the cause of tzara'as, an issue, hopefully, that we will address another time. But one question that we will hopefully address tonight is why, in fact, there are two different parshios devoted to the the uh, topic of tzara'as. It is a little bit strange that we have it scattered about. And you know we'll we'll, we'll raise the question, and um, we'll see if we can suggest some kind of an answer to the question. But it's a it's a question that I think is pretty much better than all of the answers. And you know for, for Parsha Panorama we try to find the best all around answer we can give. You know I'll peep shot for 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 such um, divisions. But as we're also going to see Tazria and Mitsura, they talk about a bunch of other things, all under the umbrella of tuma and Tahara. But tazria itself doesn't even start with Tsaras, but starts with a different kind of tuma, the tuma of a Yolades, a, a, um, a postpartum mother. And in Parshas Mitzorah, besides for Tsaras, besides for the purification process of Tsaras, we... Learn about Bais I mean, I'm gonna to get to all the specifics, but we also learn about the Tuma that's associated with bodily emissions from reproductive areas in both man and woman. So we'll get to all of that, and of course we'll discuss how exactly we got here, what are we doing here, and uh, how we'll, how we'll get out of this. Right? It's, it's not these are not the most popular partios, but there's a lot of halachah that's based on these partios. All of Hilchos Nida, for example, um, is you know, all helchos nida today is based on the the of of zava and the the rabbinic enactments based on zava and the complications of nida nowadays. Um, all the, the laws about the Tumor of biyolades, obviously, and bris comes up in this week's parsha. So there's there, there's a lot to speak about, and we'll you know again we we'll, we'll, we'll go through the specific components. But um, before we do, let's just acknowledge our sponsors. Firstly, Anonymous, Lily Neshmas, Shmuel Menachem, Ben Ar-Yi Leib, and Lea Bas Avran. Their Neshamas, the should have an Aliyah. And we have a second time sponsorship from Yon Chani Laster. So thank you guys so much for your donations. And Bezrash Shem, anyone else who would like to donate? Sponsor for the Harbatsas Torah that we do here and in any other dedication that you would like just reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com That's the data then base b-e-i-s at gmail.com Okay, so now moving into Tazria and Mitzorah where once again we are We are um, Well into the laws of Tum and Tahara and now we're we're learning about Tum and Tahara in relation to the human body and not just the human body, but also human assets, as we're going to see. So just to break down both Tazria and Mitsorah. So for Tazria, I have four basic topics. For Parsha's Mitsora as well, I have four basic topics. So for Parsha's Tazriya, we start off with the Tumas Yoledas, the Tumma of the postpartum mother, what she has to do to um, to tend to her itima. We also learn that if she has a boy, so the boy gets circumcised on the eighth day of his life. Right, and this is um, you know, obviously we, um, we know that Brismila comes from the Brisa Shalavar mavinu, but that would not suffice to teach us the the law for generations because it has to be after Matan Torah. And the other question, what about Git Hanusha? There there is a limud um after Matan Torah where we learn about Git Hanusha as well. Um, but, um, it's, it's less explicit, but we have the laws of brismillah, or the law of brismillah, the mitzvah of brismillah, and we have, um, um, the, the human contamination that's associated with a yoledes, different amount of days for a boy, for, for a baby boy, for a baby girl, and the carbonos that the mother has to bring. Then, from there, we go right into the laws of saras. Right, so this is the tsaras babasar, just on the flesh of the body, specifically on the body and not on the head. We'll get to that. And there are different um, names of the different kinds of rashes where tsaras can be manifest. There's a Baharas, which we'll translate as a spot. Mispachas is, uh, Mirashi actually says that Mispahas is a benign or a pure spot. It's a, it's a, it's a it, whatever kind of rash it is, it's tahor. A baharis is not. Then there's another kind of a rash called the se'es, which literally um, is to be understood as a whitening of the hair. Shchin, which we know from limakos, normally means boils here, and at least in our it's translated as an inflammation, and a michvas, um or like a kvia, right, as a burn. So mikhvas would be the place of the kvia, so wherever you have a burn. So that's all the tsaras on the body. We know, we learn about you know the idea of quarantine, um, right? We all thought about this when when COVID nineteen started. So we have all the different laws pertaining to and um, you know, pertaining to on the flesh. Then we get to a separate section of tsaras, which is referred to as a nesek. This is tsaras barosh, tsaras barosh obezakan on the head or in the beard, anywhere on the face, on the head. All of these um, 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 are under the rubric of Nesek, and um, they and also can manifest itself as a Kereach, a bald spot. So we have Tsaras, and the the laws are similar, but um, the, the one difference is that he has to cover his head. Um, and um, again, there's there's a whole process for the quarantine. The Kohen looks at him, and this is um, true for the Tsaras Babasar but there are, we have these two separate sections in the, in the parsha de, um, that are devoted to tsaras on the human body then section 4 before we get out of parsha tazria we have tsaras on begadim just when you think it's a skin malady apparently it's something that can happen on your clothes too is it a kind of mold it's really not so clear um, but what it is clear is that if we have one umbrella for all these topics, including Baisa Manuga, which is going to come up in Parsha's Sora, apparently Saras is not something that we'll say is skin deep. It's not just skin deep anyway. It's something that is, I mean, the pun was totally intended, um, but also in all seriousness, it's not just something that happens on your body. It's not just a result to the environment or the atmosphere or a person's health, but it has something to do with a ruchnias. Zikah, um, an experience, and a, not a good one. Okay, so now that's all Parshas Tazria. Then we get to Parshas Mitzvora, which begins with the 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 Torah Mitzvora B'yom Tahara So the purification process, um, that you know, what what the Mitzvora has to go through when he goes to the Kohain. And he has to take certain part, um, aspects of a carbon. Right there's a ritual. He has to take an azov, um, um an aitz eres. All these different things. And the, and Chazal talk about the symbolism, the arrogance. And, and he has to take these birds, and re, which represents the lashon hara, the chirping. Um, and there's a, a lot to be said about that. And then and all the things that he has to go through before he can come back into the camp. Um... Um, some have noted that the purification of the matzora. So um, I heard this from both um, Rabbi David Block, who was um, who, who for some time worked with Rabbi David Foreman on his Malaf um, Beta program, but also this was uh, noted by my brother of Daniel that the matzora's purification process, where they put the blood on on his. Thumb, his ear, his big toe, which um, really um, reminds us of the pure, of the inauguration of of uh, the the Kohanim in Parshas Tzav and Tetzaveh. So almost like you know the, the reentering of the community in a certain sense. It's 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 an inauguration. That's what the Mitzvah goes through when he's welcomed back into the community. So there's 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 a lot of significance to um, you know for for that discussion as well. Okay, so that's the purification of the mitzvah. Then, before we leave the topic of Tsaras, we get to buy So, that is just interesting to consider, because the if you consider the different um, explanations of the different places where you find Saras, so structurally, we would have said that, you know, the, the purification of the mitzvah should be after all the Tsaras topics take place. And then... Um, and so we should have biamuga before that. So it's it's strange that we don't have that here um, but instead we have just consider the order tsaras on the body, tsaras on the head, tsaras on the clothes. all of a sudden purification process in mitzvah, and then Samanuga. It's just that the structure is a little bit strange, it's hard to understand. And if you think that's hard to understand, let's get on to topic number three. topic number three we have, the impurity of a, of a male when he undergoes either carry or zav. So keri um, is the process where he has a seminal emission, and um, zav is the is the impurity that manifests itself in a another kind of a discharge. It's an abnormal discharge, and there's a parallel one for women, which is called zava, and but but the halachos are different, which is why. You have, on the one hand, so section number three is zav and kari. Section number four is nida and zava. Interestingly enough, the order is zav, kari, nida, zava. So it's almost like a sandwich, right? A a, a sandwich of zav and zava on the outside, and kari and nida are on the inside. Kari and nida are both normal kinds of, you know, emissions, right? Nida is obviously menstruation, zava is not. Um, zava is just a strange um, flowing that's not at the proper time for the. It's, it's not when the woman is expecting it, um, and that's and, and that's really how mitzora ends. So we get the impurity of, and really the purification of the mitzora. Then we have Samanuga, then zav carry, then nida and zava. So you have the male of zav and carry, then the female of nida and zava. Now, let's let's return to the question. Of, you know how we got here. All right, we'll 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 address it soon, and then uh, then I want to talk about some of the structural issues. So the question of how we got here, we already started talking about this in Parsha Shemini. You got to remember, you know where we came from, right? It's so a Parsha Shemini. Think about Parsha Shemini. What you remember from Parsha Shemini, and that'll be a clue into what what, what, we're, what we're talking about now, right? The, in between Tazria it's very clear the subject of discussion is ritual impurity. And if you heard Parsha Panorama for Parsha Shemini, you already know why we're moving in this direction. Keep that on the side for now, while I raise some other questions, um, which I alluded to earlier, uh, pertaining to mainly the structure right the the structure is a little bit strange and it's really hard to decipher because we start off with tazria right tazria which is so when a, when a woman um, has seed when a woman has a child then from there we have a whole bunch of topics you know that are all within the umbrella of saras and then we go back to emissions you know from a from from the male from the female we have all, all of those different cases so, if you would have asked me how I would have structured it, I would have started Parshas Tazria, ironically, without the Tazria part. I would not have put the Tuma of a, a postpartum mother here. I would have started the Parsha from Saras. It would be Parsha Saras effectively, or maybe if we would go with um, the first significant word in that section. Maybe Parshas Ba'or in the skin, or Bissarau, in his flesh, Seis, maybe Parshas Seis. I'm not sure what we would have called it, but that would have been the first topic. Why? Because where would I have put hamtazria? Um, where would I have put the postpartum mother? this I would have placed it in somewhere near Nida. A lot of the halakhos, um overlap, literally, before we even know what a Nida is in Halakha, basically... The parsha of Tazria of the Yoledas, tells us that we treat her like anida, and it's like, well, what is anida? Right? It says, um, where does it say it? Pasuk says, let me just find it. It's in, it's in the second pasuk. Just like in her days of nida, shall sit um, tameh. So Chumash has not yet told us about Anida, what Anida is, what, what are the rules of Anida. And you have to jump back. It's almost like, you know, um, it, it, it almost makes it seem like that Anida was an understood um, concept. And I don't know, you know, if the B'nai Israel knew about Tazriya, I mean, like if you want to employ an Ein Muktim I don't know anyone who says this, so I'm not, I'm not necessarily suggesting it. But if they all knew some concept of nida, and now we were just and we're, and we're going to elaborate on, on it later. But now you're just you know they so I don't know if they were told about tazria later. Um, but what, whatever the case was, the chumash you know clearly is assuming that 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 the the listener the the audience knows about this concept of nida, and we're saying that that this yovel this should be treated like a nida. So it kind of makes you wonder why the Chumash starts off the laws of impurity with the postpartum mother and doesn't put it with the common, you know, uh, the common impurity associated with a woman, which is, which is Nida. And that's really where all of the normal, and also abnormal, yes, Zav and, uh, and zava are not considered normal, but Keri is normal, Nida is normal. And you'll let us that's a part of life, you know, it's part of, you know, clearly Tsaraz is its own topic. And if if we could trade, right, if we could, if we could suggest a trade, we might have placed Hazria as next week's Parsha, or, or, or I shouldn't I should say next week, I would say that the first Parsha should really be a Mitzvah. It's interesting, we don't actually hear the word Mitzvah until Parsha's mitzorah. Um Even though Tsaraz talks all about the Mitzvah, I have a whole idea on why um, why, why we don't hear the word Mitzvah until Parsha's mitzora, um, which is a separate issue, and obviously related to our discussions. Um, but the point is that if we could trade topics, I would have put Isha Yisazria, the Oledas section in Parsha's Mitzvah, and I would take all of the Tsaras parts of Mitzvah out of Mitzvah and put it into this week's Parsha. Or I should say, not this, because they're, they're both this week. Put it into the first Parsha. What that would do is make Tazria Mitzvah effectively traded, right? The first partial will have all of the Tzaraas topics. That could be parshas Mitzvah. Baisamanuga can go in there. The the tahara process for the Mitzvah can go in there. And isha Ki Tazria will be with all of the other bodily emissions, Nida Zava. It would just make sense. That's where all the halachos, um, you know, seem to have some level of overlap. So why? So why does the Chumash do that? The Chumash pieces it in such a weird way that we have Yoledes in the first parsha, a bunch of tsaras topics in the first parsha. Then we have some more tsaras topics in the next parsha. Oh, and we go back to you know Hilchos, you know impurity of women and men. So it, it is a little bit strange, and I have to admit I, I have an approach. But I still think the question is much better than the answer, but hopefully you'll be able to appreciate what I have to share with you tonight. But before we do, let us return to that original question of what we're doing here. So, you know, we know that, and as we do in, the, in, the, in Parsha Panorama, we try to figure out how we got here. And we're talking about the topics of tuma and Tahara, which really started in Parsha's Shmini. The Shemini, we, we spoke about how um, the apparently the scene of Nadav and Avihu was the gateway into understanding the, that section of the Torah that we don't understand. Right, the parts which you, you may intuitively think one thing about what what Ratzon Hashem might be, but we don't truly really know intuitively what's correct. And therefore, we rely on Hashem's Torah. We rely on the Chukim, you know, the things we don't understand, but we just go with it because that's what Hashem said. And that got us into Tumah Tahara, and we started speaking about Tumah Tahara as it as it pertains to animals, what what we eat. What animals make you impure? What animals are themselves impure? What animals carry other degrees of impurity, like shrotzim? And that's how goes through Parshishmini. Now, we switch gears, and Rashi quotes this in the name of Rabbi Simlai, which can be found um, in the very first Rashi. Rabbi Simlai says that we're talking about all the rules of Tum and Tahara, but we go in the order of creation, right? We start, and creation started with the animals, and then the climax was man. So all of a sudden we have, we 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 move on to the yitziraso shalom adam, the formation of man, right? So or rather, just like the, the creation had the formation of man last, so now we have the laws of tumah for man last. So there's something to think about. Maybe um, one, and maybe this can help us begin to understand a little bit why the structure is the way it is. It sounds like the Chumash really wanted to spend a lot of time on, on Tsaras. That seems to be like the most important topic here. It's certainly the most talked about. It's the most popular. It's the most esoteric. It's the most um, unusual of, wit, of all the topics that we find here. It's the most unrelatable. And there's always what to talk about in terms of, you know, Lashon Hara. The point is tsaras is clearly the most um, out there. And so the Chumash spends a lot of time on the intricate halachos that pertains to Tsaras, for whatever reason it does. But the Chumash starts off with the yitzira of man, and maybe that's part of it—that the Chumash is trying to start off maybe on a good note. Maybe you could say we're about to talk about a bunch of unpleasant things, but so you know, why is not now, but the other impurities? Maybe it's because you know we want to start off with with something happy. You know, there, there's an impurity that's associated with Tazriah, Right with the, with the with the mother, the postpartum mother, but obviously it's for good reason. It almost makes you wonder why there's tuma in the first place. So there's a Hersch, and we'll get to it. We'll come, we'll and we'll come back to it. Um, why there is Tumma in the first place here? But maybe part of it, again, part of but part of why we have tazria at this point, is that we are starting off the conversation of all of impurity as it pertains to the human body, with almost like this statement that tuma is a part of life. You know, uh, from, from from the moment you know, we could say that the baby does not the baby's not tame, but the baby's born in an experience that creates Toma. There's tuma surrounding it. It almost reminds me of just this concept of of all the obstacles that come with having a child. Meaning, there's there's unlimited and unparalleled brachad having a child. And anyone who is su- suffering from the inability to produce is our kayama. It's um it's you know, it's a terrible pain. And you know, the, you want nothing more than to have that bracha. Now once you have that bracha, you know, it's um it, it's it's some it's you know, it's a lot to deal with. So for example, you could say that there's certain tumma that's associated with it. I'm not just talking about changing the diapers, but sometimes the toll that it seems to take on Ruchnias. where right? if you have to schlep the kid with you to shul, if you have to compromise learning time, compromise ruchnias for your child, which is something that we do. But maybe you know that's part of the tumma. Part of the tuma is you have a child; you have to get dirty sometimes. You, you, your rochnias has to, you know, you can make it. A, you know, the, the trick is to make the rochnias a part of it, and to, to pull the to extract the rochnias from that, that that circumstance. But recognize that there's tumma. You might miss a minion if you have a child. You might um, you you might not have kavana in your shmona Esra when you have a child. That's part of the experience. And guess what? It's a bracha it's a bracha, you know, it's just part of life. Maybe that's one of the lessons. There's a lot of association between the the tumma of woman, and the the first sin of Chava, and when she has a baby girl, the tumma is even longer. Not really for now, but the point is that tumma is a part of life, and that's the first thing we learn. That's a Hashkafic lesson, and you might appreciate that as being the explanation as to why Tezria starts off this way, but Again, if, if if the second parsha, if let's say the first parsha, we we are I argued before that we could trade some topics, and the first uh, parsha would really be about mitzora. The second parsha would really be about um, all the the womanly impurities and the manly impurities of the regular emissions, the bodily discharge that they experience. We could also flip that too. The first parsha could have been tazria. It could have talked about all of the impurities, the regular impurities, and zav and zava for a man and a woman. And then the second parsha could have been about Saras. meaning even if you enjoy my answer as to why we start off with tazria, that does not yet explain why we didn't get all of the bodily omission sections in this parsha, and have all of the tzaraas topics in the second parsha, right? Because the chumash could have easily done that, and so it doesn't explain why tazria is kept away from the other um, halaqus, which we might have said were related. So. In shorter words, in fewer words, we have our work cut out for us still. So let, let, let's talk more about this. And again, there, there there are many prongs to this question: why Tazria and the other, um, you know, um, women impurities are not together. Is also why the Saras, uh, you know, well, sections are split up between, on the one hand, Saras on the body and clothes in one parsha. And then Sarasa on the house, and the purification process in the other parsha. So um, you you could make an argument that we have two different phases, you know, one for the actual impurity and one for the purification process. Realizing that those are two different chapters in a mitzvah's life. Right, that a person has to go through the quarantine, he has to go through that suspense, that cliffhanger, that waiting period where he doesn't, you know, where he doesn't know what's going to be. He's waiting to hear the Kohen, you know, uh, he's waiting to find the Kohen, visiting him to check on him, see how he's doing. There's that part of the person's life. And then, there's going to be a day when the Mitzurah will eventually be able to come out of that. And it's kind of like, you know, the, the Gullahs, just before the Gullah. Um It's two different chapters. And maybe that's what another Heshkafag lesson as to the division between uh, Tazria and Mitzorah. Um What we still would have to answer then is why Bais HaMenuga is, is after all of that. Why is Bais HaMenuga in the section of um, you know, after the Tahara process and why isn't it with you know it, it, you have Tsaras on the body then the clothes then we go back to the purification for the guy who has Tsaras on his body then we go to Bayez Hamanuga so well, why would you do that? especially when you consider I think it's the Rambam who brings down that the progression apparently of Tsaras um, supposedly um, theoretically is Tsaras first comes on the house then it comes on the clothes and then, it, then only after does it come on the person's body so that order is certainly not reflected in the parsha. If anything, the parsha has it backwards. We have the body, then we have the clothes, then we have the, the house. But also, there's the impu- there was the purification process that's kind of stripped in between. So what is that doing there? So another hashgachic answer, if you want, mm-hmm. um, um, especially considering that you know, there's a separate gemara that says Bayis never happened. So according to this, um, you know the um, the Rambam's. Um, understanding of the progression wouldn't be necessarily accurate, with, it, or at least it wouldn't fit with that Gemara. Also, the approach that says that Hashem hid jewels in the house of, of the Bnei um, Seral, right? When they would go into Israel, the Emirates really hid the jewelry, and Saras on the house was going to be a way to extract that jewelry. So that obviously also does not work with the Gemara that says that there was no Ba'es HaMenuva that ever took place in history. So, But a Hashkafic lesson that might explain why Mitzorah the purification process is put, and then only after do we have baysamenuga. The the chumash could maybe drastically be telling us that you know there's a purification process when it reaches your body, when it reaches your clothes, when it's already on the inside. There's not much you can do about it when it's on you, when it's a part of you. So um, you know you might be a little bit stuck, but once you go through the purification process, then it's your job to make sure that the environment. That you are in is a good environment. You want to be in a makom Tahar, not a makom Tame. And the point is that you have to go. um, It's, it's. You know, you you have an edge at the very least. When once you've purified yourself, it's no longer on your body. It's no longer on your clothes. It's no longer near you. So now you have a choice of what kind of 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 uh, environment you're going to be in. So. So when, when that happens, you know, you know, it kind of reminds me, at least, of the process of going from Yom Kippur, where you cleanse yourself from the inside out, and then you go into a sukkah immediately after, putting yourself in the right environment. So we have the purification of the mitzvah, and then make sure it doesn't go near your house. Make sure the house that you're in, the environment that you put yourself in, is a place that's conducive for your spiritual growth, and not for ritual impurity, and spiritual impurity. So that's, that's a possibility. But it doesn't answer all of our questions right because we still have to understand the 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 separation of yoledes on the one hand and then the separate the next part so we have nidos Zivos, carry all those things that we would expect to be with uh, yoledes so now if you you know if you if you'll come with me on this journey well we'll try to explain the working theory that I have is kind of like a uh, within versus without, and I'll we'll, I'll explain what this means. You have to first understand why um, you know Yolades. Again, it's it's his own topic, and we would have and for halachic reasons we would have put it next to Nida. For structural reasons, we would have put it there, just for basic better understanding. We would have done that, and the Suras would have been its own topic on the side. So apparently, the, the division. You know, there are a couple of suggestions that are brought down by the Midrash. The Vayikra Rabba in uh, Tesvav He and in Tesvav Vav. So 15.5, 15.6 gives a couple of different reasons. It suggests uh, the possibility of Tsaras taking place on a uh, a baby. Let's say a baby experiences Tsaras. Now what lush and hard did the baby speak? None. But Tsaras is not only caused by that. Tsaras can be caused, says the Midrash, by a woman who's not keeping to um, her Hilchas Nida, um, so and there was, so we see that the, the that the Yoledes is treated like a Nida, and because she wasn't guarding Nida, this is a possibility of how a baby can end up having Suras. That's one suggestion that the midrash says as a connection, and there are other midrashim like this which connect Sota to Matanas Kahuna. Um, we'll get there when we get to Parshas Naso. Um and this is only a theoretical, you know, possibility of a connection. This doesn't really explain the connection. It explains something we can learn out. There's also a halachos actually about brismila in connection to tsaras, that a brismila is docha tsaras, such that if a baby has tsaras on the mila and there's an isser, typically to cut off tsaras from the place that it's on. But if there's a bris, so the bris, the mitzvah say, if the bris is doche, the love of cutting off the saras. So this might be uh, again a very technical reason, not just theoretical. But this one's the the last one was theoretical, but this is theoretical and technical. We learned something practical out from it. Um, so we have that answer. And another suggestion, which is similar, which is very similar to the to the midrash um, in Parshas Nasso about the connection between a sota and a and a, and um, and Matanas kahuna. So here. Um, and if you don't know that Midrash so you know then if if, the, if that comparison doesn't help you so then just listen to the Midrash itself the Midrash says that a woman a Yolet is supposed to bring her carbonos to the Kohen and she doesn't do it so Hashem says Chayecha I'm going to by your life I'm going to make sure that you need to go to a Kohen because um, you know you're going to um, get Saras and then you're going to need the Kohen to to check on you so um, and so for, for those who get the connection to so, if it helps you um, I'll, I'll just throw it out here now, but uh, they say that a, a person who doesn't um, pay up his Matanas kahuna, so there's a chance that he's going to have to visit the kohen again, um, when he even though he didn't do it before because his wife became a sota. Now again, these are these are issues that they they border on the question about free choice, and we're not having that conversation today. I'm just pu- putting this out there just so you see that the midrash was. Was conscious of this um, of, of this need for an explanation of the connection between topics. Now, this might explain immediate juxtaposition; does not explain larger picture, which is what we're going for right now. And the question is, if Yoledes is put aside, away in the beginning, it starts off the conversation. Given all the Hashkovic suggestions we we offered, but it's put away from Nidos and Kerry and and, and 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 Zivos right, the different kinds of bodily fluids. So it must tell us that Yoledus is somehow different. We're supposed to see it differently. Now the question is, how is Yoladas different? And another question is, why does Yoletus even experience ritual impurity? So Rav Hirsch comes along and explains to us what the whole aspect of ritual impurity is. What, in fact, is it? And it's right, something that, you know, at least with the human body, it seems to be different than the way, it, the way it works with animals and other things like that. And in this vein, Rav Hirsch explains that ritual impurity is associated with the loss or the void of life. Right? The the avatama, which ironically does not make it to our parshyos, it's in Parsha's um, uh, chukas, which was also Parsha's para, which we read a month or so ago. And... We and we and for some reason Parah Aduma does not make it into these parshas. It's very strange. It's 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 a real question why it's only in parshas Chukas, um, and maybe it's a question for now. But we're not going to address it now. Um, it's another one of those questions that I think um, it's quite, it, the question is better than any of its answers that I could think of. But there's but there's plenty to think about in regards to that. So we don't have Tamas Mace, which is the Av HaToma, It's it's it's. Really, it's the grandfather of all Timos. But we have the void of life. When a woman, when, a, you know, let's go back to Nida, for example. Um, another question to think about it, is there's not, not all bodily emissions are Tame. Right? Excrement and urine are not Tame. You know, like they, 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 they don't make a person Tame, the person who goes to the bathroom. These are, and why? Because these have nothing to do with the void of life. In fact, um, going to the bathroom. We make a bracha because these things protect the body; they protect the life. But carry represents a waste of life opportunity. For example, nidus, when a woman menstruates, she is not able to to get pregnant at that time. And zav and zava, same thing. There is a blockage in uh, in in the reproductive uh, mobility. So when it comes to When it comes to so now, what we have to think about is how this pertains to tsaraas and how this pertains to yoladas. When it comes to yoladas, yoladas, it's not that she, you know, it's not that there's any death that occurred, but the baby being extracted from her creates a void inside her body, meaning her body, which was once able to house and to to produce life, we should say. So. it's not able to do that at this moment. But the main, the main thing is that the, the void for the woman is the void of real life taken out of her. And this would explain why she's treated like Anida, but there's a difference between a yolajas and a And that is that, although we might have intuitively put these halachos together, a baby is not a bodily emission. This is kind of important. As we started with, yo, is a happy occasion. The problem is, it's not a problem even, it's just impurity. The impurity is associated with the void of actual life. That's the same for Tsaras. Tsaras is considered like a mace. In fact, the, he goes through what looks like a mourning process, that he mourns himself, essentially. This I heard from my Rebbe of and Sachs, that in fact a lot of the hilchos of are really derived from the diorisa of mitzora. Believe it or not. And the Mitzorah, who engaged in an uh, in, in antisocial behavior, and he removes himself from the community, his removal, of his, the extraction of him from the community, is like the extraction of the baby from the, the womb. And uh, here, so the, the void of life is the, the life of the Mitzorah himself. And he's like literally, you know, not literally, maybe yes, literally, he's the living dead. He's dead in the ritual sense, in the literal sense, in, the, in the spiritual sense. And that, that there, when it comes to the connection between the Yoledus and the Mitzvah, is that there is a void of actual life, even in the case where the two are living. Right? The baby's alive. And the baby's not tummy, though. The woman, who is also alive, and her body did everything it's supposed to do, it's functioning fully, but there's an impurity associated with the loss of real life. When it comes to the mitzvah, the same is true. His body's functioning; everything is working okay, but there's a void of actual life in a certain sense. That he has killed himself off from the community. Now, this is different from what we find in Parshas Mitzvah. In Parshas Mitzvah, what we have is not the loss of life, but the loss of life potency. Right when a, 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 the seminal emission, right that that that, that represents. The opportunity to create life gone to waste. And by the way, even a person's about carry, even if he has marital relations and the carry goes into the woman, and you, you might say that it's because even when a person uh, successfully completes a marital relation, still there are hundreds and thousands of sperm cells that actually die in that process, even if one of them makes it through. So there's an impurity associated with the loss of life potency, life potential, and this is true for a zav, a Zava, and a Nida, right? Every time a woman becomes a Nida, what essentially is happening is the body is rejecting eggs, eggs that the body theoretically preparing to become pregnant, and the body just decides to drop the ball. There's nothing that a woman can do about this. It's not you know, the woman didn't do any bad things for this to happen, but the body is now unable to house life. The life potency, the potential for life to exist within that experience is not there. And I want to suggest that this is actually the difference between tsaras on the body and on the clothes versus tsaras on the house. What what do I mean? Tsaras on the body is what we've been talking about until now. The loss of, of real life. The body, you know, even though it's functioning, right... But what the, the problem is, it's the loss of real life. And it's external, it's on the body. Just like the baby is external to the woman, and therefore the, the, the tumma comes from that which is without, and not that which is within. Same thing for the tsuras on the skin. The tsuras on the skin is what is externally manifest. It's not from anything on the inside, but something on the, that is on the outside. The outside expression of, of quote-unquote, a loss of life. But the Saras in the house is not on the outside of the house. It's actually on the inside of the house. And just like a nida, for example, her body cannot host life. The life potency is gone. A bais hamanuga also cannot host life. The person has to leave the house. The house is no longer conducive for living in. The life potency, the life potential in that house no longer exists. Like a carry that goes to waste. Right, a seminal emission that goes to waste. Like Zava and Zava, the blockage that uh, um, the, the, the happens from this bodily emission. Or Aninda, the life potency is gone. So, on one hand, there's the loss of real life. Tsaraas, Yolades. And then, on the other hand, there's the loss of life potency from the inside out. The inside of the nida's body cannot host life. The inside of the house cannot host life. The bais haminuga. And all in between, we have the impurity. You know, the the, the purification of the mitzvah, right? So purification of the mitzvah kind of represents that entry back into the community. It represents life restored. And with all of this, you know, we are you know we are having a better understanding of the sensitivity, of the the, the aspect of of tsaraas and all kinds of impurity, and how all of this affects your ritual experience, right? If you want to bring a karbon. So there are karbonas to get out of this experience, to inaugurate you back into society, but also if you're impure, you're not ready to go back into ritual experience. This goes back to everything we've been talking about in Parsha Shemini, where really all of Seva Vayukra is about the proper way to approach God. Where we said that after Hashem created the world and wanted to give man the ultimate good, Man tends to freeze up when he doesn't know the proper way to approach Hashem. And we've become a nation. We've gone through some obstacles. We've had ups and downs. Now we're back. We've restored ourselves to our former glory. We have the Mishkan. Now we need to know the right way to approach God. And the way to do it is B'Ketusha U'Bitahara. And now we're focusing on the Tahara aspect. And it is fraught with larger-than-life discussions that we just can't simply understand um, with our own logic but recognizing that that sensitivity is there, that once again, Hashem actually does care about the minutia. He cares about the details. All of this is, is halacha. And once again, because of that, we can't intuit on our own the right way to approach Hashem. We just have to follow what the Torah says, follow, you know, our chachamim who explain what the Torah says. And with that, you know, we, Baruch Hashem, have made our way through some of the most complex parashios, Tazriah and Metzora. And Bezra Hashem, next week, we'll pick up with another loaded double parsha of Ahrimous and Gadoshin. But in the meantime, thank you for joining us at the database and have a wonderful Shabbos.